The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. You know, we as people, we love love, don't we? We love love. Uh, We are created in the image of God, and so we love to love others, and we love to be loved. I mean, we, we love love. Love consumes a lot of our thoughts, a lot of our heart, a lot of our emotions. Uh, if you want to see how much we love love, all you have to do is turn on the radio, right? Almost every song is about love, either romantic love or love of family or love that has been broken, love that you wish was there that isn't, love that you are wishing for. It's just consumed with love. You might actually have a favorite love song. Um, what, what would be your favorite love song? I, I don't know. You know, there's several good ones out there. Unchained Melody, Your Song, right? There's a lot of them out there. One of my favorites is a song called Austin. I won't tell you what genre it is because you may not listen to me, but the song Austin uh, was written by a girl named Christy Manna. And Christy actually got the idea for this song because she had called one of her friends. And she called one of her friends and she got the answer machine and had the normal message, you know, hi, this is so-and-so, leave a message, I'll get back to you. But then at the end of the message was an interesting message that was designated for just one person, uh, for this, for this guy's ex-girlfriend. And he had this message on it, so it inspired this song. So let me read you some of the lyrics. It says, she left without leaving a number, said she needed to clear her mind, He figured she'd gone back to Austin because she talked about it all the time. It was almost a year later, okay? So that's a key word. A year later, before she called him up, three rings and an answer machine is what she got. And the answer machine said this. If you're calling about the car, I sold it. If this is Tuesday night, I'm bowling. If you've got something to sell, you're wasting your time. I'm not buying. If it's anybody else, wait for the tone. You know what to do. And then there's this message at the end. And P.S., if this is Austin, I still love you. Aw, a year later, on his answer machine, if this is Austin, I still love you. Says the telephone fell to the counter. She heard, but she couldn't believe. What kind of man could hang on this long? What kind of love that must be? The song goes on. She calls back again. It's a completely different message talking about how he's gone fishing for the weekend. He won't be around. And again, it ends. P.S. If this is Austin, I still love you. She leaves her phone number. He calls her back. And as all good love songs go, she says, this is Austin. I still love you. And they get back together. But this is one of many love songs that are on the radio. I mean, really, just turn it on. They're all over the place. God has a love song. God's love song starts like this. It starts in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The song goes on throughout all of scripture. It's God's love song towards you and towards me. And this love song has a chorus that repeats throughout the scriptures time and time and time again. And it's phrased differently, but the message is the same. And the message of this chorus goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. That is the love song of God. That is the chorus to his love song. 
It's John 3.16. You've probably heard of it. One of the most famous Bible verses that there is. Today we'll be looking at John 3.16. So if you would, please open your Bibles to John chapter 3. If you're in the Red Bible, it will be page 888. Uh, If you're in the Children's Bible, it's page 1305. As you turn there, if you're here today and you're wondering what is Christianity all about, you came on the right Sunday because this is, this is the chorus of the song of God's love of Christianity. If you're here today and you feel distant or far from God or, or you do, don't, aren't overwhelmed by the presence of his love, this is a great day to come and hear from God's word. So let's read together John chapter 3. We're going to read verse 16 through 21. Read along with me if you would. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray. Lord, as we dwell on your love this morning, as we contemplate it, as we roll it over in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls, pray that your love would transform us this morning, God, that we would be undone by it, Lord, that surprising joy would come to us because of the love that you have shown to the world, that you have shown to us in your only Son, Jesus Christ. Praise in his name. Amen. I know many of you love the Lord, love the gospel, love the good news, and want to share it with your friends. Well, today we've kind of organized the sermon into three Ds, so maybe you can share with your friends John 3.16. And even the story that goes along with it. And so we'll see, here are the three things that we'll see. First is the denial of God's love. Kind of the breakup scene, right, if you would. Then the determination of God's love. His enduring love for those who have broken up with him. And then finally, the demand of God's love. So let's start with the first part. The denial of God's love. As I mentioned, the chorus starts with these words, For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. How did the world respond to God's love? What did they do? Well, look in verse 19 with me. We see that the world denied God's love, and this is why. Verse 19, and this is the judgment, the verdict to the trial. This is the judgment, that light has come into the world. That Jesus Christ has come into the world, the one who has made the world, the one who has made you, the one who has breathed life into you, that one has come into the world. It goes on. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. 
I read verse 19, and it, it's such a, uh, such a colorful verse. But the, the word that comes to my mind when I read verse 19 is betrayal. Here is Jesus, the one who has loved us, God incarnate, the one who has made us, the one who does not need to pay attention to us. And yet in his love, he has come to us and we have denied him. And it says the reason why we've denied him is because we have loved the darkness. We have loved sin. We have loved evil more than we have loved the light. Now, if you're like me, sometimes I read this passage and I go, I don't love darkness. I don't love sin. I don't really do that that much. Whenever my heart gets in that spot, I, I always turn back to Romans 1, 29, because it, it, it reads me. I read it, but it reads me, and I, I can identify with it. It goes like this. Romans 1, 29. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. I can relate. <laughs> Those things talk about me. It goes on. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedience to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. This is God's description of humanity apart from him. And I look at it and I say, you know what? It's true. I've seen all of those things in my life. And the passage actually goes on. But what we see here is that we have turned away from the light. We have shunned the light and we have turned to darkness. Apart from God, we love darkness. Now, as we look at these verses and we see light and darkness, you might be wondering, what do these mean? Well, the light is Jesus. He has come into the world, but it's also the message of Jesus, the teaching of the scriptures. Darkness would be our sin, our wickedness, but also our ignorance of those things, our desire not to know the truth, but to live in a way that is a lie. And he says, you have shunned the light and you have turned to darkness. John 3 goes on in verse 20 and it says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. We shun the light. Because we love darkness. We love sin. Christ is hated because sin is loved. It's not that we are trying to reach out to God or that we are trying to go to God and get to God, but we merely miss the mark, but we're trying to go to God. It's that we're running in the opposite direction. Yesterday, let me illustrate this way. Yesterday, we had a birthday party for my son, Caleb. And one of the games we played was pin the football on Donald Driver, all right? We had this cutout of Donald Driver, and we thought, if Donald is going to get a catch this year, we are going to have to help him, right? So we, we got the kids downstairs, and we blindfolded them, and we'd spin them around in a circle three times. And then we'd say, all right, go, you know, pin the ball on Donald Driver, and they'd kind of be wandering around. And sometimes the closest was like two feet away. One of them, or a few of them, pinned it on the walls on the side of the basement. This isn't a picture of who we are. We're not aiming for the mark. We're not aiming for God. We're turning around and we're running away from God. We're running away. We love the darkness. We're not headed for the light. We shun it. That's what he's saying here. The reason why we have denied the love of God is because we love the darkness. We love sin. Now, you may be wondering, 
I thought we were talking about God's love. (laughs) This doesn't sound like a love song to me. But you see, it's when we see the, the badness of the bad news that the goodness of the good news becomes so sweet, so wonderful, so delightful, so enjoyable. You see, we by ourselves would pursue after darkness, pursue after sin. But we have one hope, and that is the determination of God's love. That's the next part of this, the determination of God's love. Let's walk through verse 16 and 17 slowly. Again, it starts, for God so loved the world. Now, God is not obligated to love the world. Even if all of us were perfect, even if all of us loved the light, God would not be obligated to love us. But God so loved the world. He loves you. Did you know that? That God loves you? That he cares about you? That he thinks about you? Just as you think about love of other people, God loves you? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, God's love isn't merely sentimental. It's not just warm fuzzies. God's love takes action. God's love is sacrificial. God sends his son into the darkness of his world. He sends his boy, his only boy, his unique son, the one that he loves more than anything else, that which he most cherishes, he sends into the world because he loves you. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, right? We don't need help <laughs> with condemnation, right? We, we, we chase after darkness in and of ourselves. We don't need his help. But in order that the world might be saved through him. What does it mean that the world might be saved through him? How could could someone be saved through another person? There's not a perfect illustration for this, but let let me try. There's a true story of a Navy SEAL named Michael Mansour. He was deployed into battle in 2006. On September 29th of 2006, he was up on a rooftop with two of his, his SEAL uh, teammates, those that he loved and cared about very much. While he was up there, a, a grenade hit his chest and fell on the floor. And at that time, it was very obvious that, that Michael could have run and saved his own life. But the problem was is that his two SEAL friends would not have made it. And so in, in a great uh, action of love, he jumped onto that grenade and he absorbed the blast in his body, saving those two other seals, those men that he loves, that he cares for so much. And reflecting back on it, one of the survivors said this. He said, Mikey looked death in the face that day and said, you cannot take my brothers. I will go in their stead. You know, there are many days where you might say, Does God really love me? I mean, does he really love me? Life is hard, you know? I don't get all the things that I want. Uh, Maybe I'm going through some suffering or I have gone through a tragedy in the past. And you say, you know, I'm not really sure if God loves me. But we know that God loves us because of the great sacrifice, the costliness of his love. John 
15, 13 puts it this way. Greater love, the greatest love, has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. If you want to know how much God loves you, if you want to know how much God thinks about you, how much God cares for you, do not look at your medical record. Do not look at your bank account. Don't look at your Facebook status. Look to the cross. If you want to know how much God loves you, know how much he sacrificed for you, that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for you. Jesus went to the cross to absorb the grenade for us, to absorb the blast of God's righteous judgment on us, that we might not perish but have everlasting life. When Jesus was on the cross, he looked at death in the face and he said, you cannot take my beloved. You cannot take Dan Jackson. You cannot take Trisha Jackson. I will go in their stead. This is how much God loves you. He sent his most beloved, his only son for you. This is the ultimate love story. Not because there are so many people and the world is so big and he had to cover them all, but because he sent his son to die for us because he loved people who loved darkness. He loved people who were running away from him. He loved people who have betrayed him, who have turned on him. God does not love you because you are lovely. God loves you because God is love. This is good news because there's nothing in us that he sees that he loves. He loves us simply because God is love. And so we see the denial of God's love, that we have loved darkness and shunned the light, the determination of God's love and the extent of it by sending his only boy, his son, Jesus. But finally, we see the demand of God's love. Love demands a response, doesn't it? You know, I think of, uh, I think of the time when, when, when Trish and I were dating. Um, we dated for a year, long distance. We would try once a month. I lived in Columbia, Missouri. She lived in Eau Claire. And we tried once a month to see each other, right, which was very costly exchange. But after a summer of dating, or sorry, a year of dating, we decided in that summer that we would try to live around each other so that we could see what each other are like in good times and bad times. And so I moved up to Eau Claire and lived with some of her friends, some guy friends for a while, and we got to hang out. And then she moved down and lived with some of my friends that were girls in Columbia, Missouri. And as we hung out around each other, I discovered, hey, this is a girl I would really like to marry. So the time came. And I had this surprise planned out. And uh, we, got, we hopped in the car and we drove four hours south by Branson, Missouri to this beautiful trail that I'd been before. And uh, Trisha kind of knew something was up because I was paying for everything, which is not normal. I know, kind of weird. Um, Trisha was the money maker in college, not me, all right? But I was paying for everything. So she's, she's like, we should buy a camera to remember this time when you're paying for everything, right? So, so we're taking pictures with a disposable camera. And we're, well, we, we hike this, this trail back along this creek. And we come to this spot where there's this big cave with ivy coming out. There's a waterfall. There's this huge rock arch there. It's just a beautiful setting. And so uh, we, I cooked her dinner, spaghetti with, with chicken, and uh, I'm sure it wasn't that good, but it was romantic. And then the time came. 
And I got down on one knee and I said, Trish, I love you. Will you marry me? Why do we do that? Because love demands a response, doesn't it? Love demands a response. You know, if you are a parent of teenagers and your teenagers frustrate you, they do something that disappoints you, it's because you expect love to have a different response, right? That your love would be responded with love. If you've been dating someone for a long time and you're like, when's this going to change? I need to know, are we going to get married? Are we not going to get married? Love demands a response. There is no greater love than the love of God who sent his son to die for you, and it demands a response. And we see the response that is demanded of us in verse 16. It very simply says that whoever believes, we are called to believe. And the reason we are to believe is not because God's saving love applies to everyone. You know, we look at this passage and it says, for God so loved the world, right? God loves you. God loves your family. God loves your friends. God loves your coworker. All of that is true. But what we see in this passage is that God's saving love is sufficient. It's sufficient for the world, but it's only effective for those who believe. It's sufficient for everyone. God truly does love the world, but it is efficient for those who believe. Verse 18 confirms this with these strong words. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Belief is an indispensable channel of God's saving love, saving grace for you. It says here in verse 18, this this interesting, it says that we must believe in the name of the Son of God. What does it mean that we must believe in the name of the only Son of God? Well, if you actually back up, if you remember the Christmas story before Jesus is born, the angels come to Mary and Joseph, the parents, and says, you are pregnant and you will have a child and you should name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's what his name means. He will save the people from their sins. It actually literally means Jehovah will save. And so by believing in Jesus, what you are believing is that Jesus is Jehovah who has come to save you from your sins. The gospel is, so, is such good news because all of us who have loved sin, who have loved the darkness, deserve judgment. And yet simply by believing, by responding to God's love with belief, with faith, the judgment is transferred from us to Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. Now, what happens when we believe? What are the benefits of believing in Jesus? Well, there are many. Uh, there, is a, there are many riches that come with trusting in Christ. But there are just three here that I want to point out. First, in verse 21, it says, Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This verse shows us that one of the things that happens when we believe in Jesus, when we trust in Jesus, is that we start to love the light. We start to love Jesus. We start to love his teaching. We start to love the gospel and we enjoy it. The good news of his love, we love it. We treasure it. We even start to love 
his fatherly discipline, his reproof. You see, it's no, it's no secret to any of us that if you have trusted in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, there is still a lot of darkness in you, isn't there? There's still a lot of darkness in me where I see sin creeping up in my life. But what happens is that you start to hate that darkness. You hate that sin. And you say, I want to walk in the light. I want to live in the light. And so one of the results of believing in Jesus is that we start to love the light. And God, here it says, it's all carried out in God. So God gets all the glory. The second thing, verse 17, says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We no longer have to fear the condemnation of God. We get to rest in the assurance of Christ's death on our behalf. We are saved is what the term uses here. It reminds me of Romans 8.1. Maybe you might be familiar with it. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer condemned. We no longer have to fear God's condemnation. All he gives to us is grace and love. Finally, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, there's the activating agent, should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life is an amazing, abundant gift from God of immeasurable proportions that we get to spend all eternity. This is our destiny for those who are in Christ, that we get to spend all eternity with a God who loves us, who gets to pour his love song over us, and we get to respond with a song of love ourselves. And so this is God's love story. This is the chorus of God's love story, that God loved the world, that he created the world, that he, and he loved it. But then the world betrayed him. The world hated God and loved the darkness. But because of the persistence of God, he sent his son Jesus to save, to love, to win many back to himself. But now, today, not tomorrow, but today, God's love demands a response. God's love demands a response from you and from me. Let me end with this story. Dwight Moody is one of the great evangelists of the 1800s. Early in his ministry, he was preaching on a Sunday night, and he was preaching about Jesus' trial before Pilate. And if you remember from that story, there's, there's one phrase that Pilate says to the crowd that, that is, that's just scary how good it is. Pilate says this, What shall I do then with this Jesus who is called the Christ? What shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And so his big exhortation was, what will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And then Moody said, I want you to take a week. I want you to take a week. I want you to mull it over. I want you to think about it. And then we'll come back together at church next Sunday. We will, we will go to Calvary together. And we will, we will see what we have decided to do with this Jesus. So he closed in prayer. And the final hymn starts. And the final hymn has those same words of calling people to respond. It says, Today the Savior calls for refuge fly. The storm of justice falls and death is nigh. And so you hear this calling of the people. But as they're singing this final hymn, there are fire engines 
sirens in the background. And they start getting louder and louder. You see, the night that Moody preached this sermon was the night that the great Chicago fire started. And in the course of a few days, it decimated much of Chicago, including the very church that he had preached this in. They would never gather back together at that church. It was wiped out by the fire. And certainly there were some in that crowd who had died in the Chicago fire. And so as we look at this passage, we need to understand that this demand from God for a response, it's not for another time. It's not for another season in your life where it's more convenient. God is calling you now to believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. Today, we actually, you know, we don't do this at Jacob's Well ever. I think this first time we ever done. But you'll see in your bulletin, there is this response card. Jesus is calling you to respond in your heart. But we also want to give you a concrete ability to do that. On this card, it, it, has, it has a place where you can put your name, your contact info, and there are three boxes there that you can check. And then it, once you do this, if you put in the offering basket, that would be great. If you don't have one, there's two in each bulletin and someone around, with, around you can share. You can fill this out if you want uh, during the communion distribution or during the last song. Put it in the offering basket. But here's what we have. As God demands a response from us, this is what we're doing. The first is this. I would like to talk to someone about believing in Jesus, being saved, and having eternal life. If you would like to talk more about this, we would love to talk to you. Check that box. Put your name on there. Put away. We can contact you. Put it in the offering basket. The second is this. Today I have decided to believe in the name of Jesus and to be saved. To that, we give great celebration. We want to help you to walk in the light because it is glorious. And the third is this. I want to share the message of John 3.16 with fill in the blank, just a person's first name. Pray for them and me. If you're here today and you believe in Jesus, there is a good chance that you're saying, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message. I wish they would know the love God has for them. But you know what? They're not here. And you are in their life. God has providentially brought you into their life, whether it be a family member, a friend, a coworker. And so we want to pray for that conversation that you have with them. Does that make sense? So fill this out when you have a chance. Put it in the offering basket. And we'll either contact you or we'll be in prayer for you as we continue to share this love story that God has towards us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the love that you have for this world. A love that really is beyond explanation. A love that we clearly do not deserve. That you sent your son Jesus to die for us. That we might be saved. That we may no longer have to fear condemnation, but only look to the blessings of your grace and love, Lord. God, we pray the Spirit would work mightily in our hearts today. That important conversations would come out of this between parents and children, between family members, between friends, between coworkers, God. And that your kingdom would grow and more would know this great love that's given to us through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.